Dalia Elshimi. I am a researcher at Shopify, and I'm really excited to be talking with Jess Erickson today, who is a senior UX manager on Shop. Jess, how are you doing today? Hi, Dahlia. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be talking with you today about Shop and all good things about Shop. Nice. So I've done a bunch of these conversations uh, with different UX leaders, and I think today's is going to be particularly unique and uh, interesting because whereas with a lot of the other conversations, you know, we've talked about merchant-facing products that Shopify builds, so the tools and the features that entrepreneurs would use to build out their businesses, today we're going to be shifting gears a little bit and talking about buyers and what the experience of shopping looks like. And so I think it's a topic that a lot of people will feel like, you know, is relatable to them because I think most of us have partaken in the process of shopping online. If anything, the pandemic has probably accelerated that for everyone. We all have a lot of experiences, some good, some bad, uh, of shopping online and receiving our products. And so really excited to dive into all of that today. Before we get into that, just could you tell me a little bit about the Shop app, which is the product that you work on? So what is it? What's your mission? And what are the problems that your team are trying to solve? Yeah, absolutely. So shop is a consumer facing native experience. And the way we think about it is actually, it is the right convergence of kind of the merchant and buyer experience that Shopify can empower. So what we think of shop as is really the third own channel for merchants in what we see as the app era of commerce. Increasingly, e-commerce is moving from desktop to mobile. And then really what we've seen more recently is a transition from mobile web into native app experiences. So we're trying to uh, take advantage of that and leverage our capabilities as Shopify, a platform that merchants can use to help extend their reach into this new native space without having to undertake the overhead, the time that it takes and the resourcing it would require to actually build and maintain an e-commerce app for themselves. So we have a, a pretty broad set of missions because we are trying to actually really solve problems for the entire life cycle of shopping uh, for buyers and merchants alike. So what we really aspire to do is to kind of help to facilitate a much lovelier and kind of easier experience across the entire journey. So you first and foremost, really wanting to be uh, bringing shopping to life and enable our Shopify merchants to engage directly with their buyers in an experience that facilitates discovery and kind of enriching the relationship that they may already have. So really, we want to use Shopify as merchants to help build that audience, but also to build buyers trust in thinking about this being a great native experience that allows them to connect with their favorite brands. We also think about Shop Pay as another feature that exists that is contained within Shop, uh, but also exists out in the world alone. So we really think about how do we leverage the great development of the checkout capability of the Shop Pay's like brand growth over time, and really think about expanding what we can do with that to enable the app to become even more valuable, both in your kind of in-app browsing and shopping experience but also as a tool that can potentially be leveraged elsewhere to enable identity service, a kind of login, in-person purchase, and, and when we get back to a time when people are able to shop more frequently in, in store. And then really thinking about at the end of that, right? So we've gone from kind of discovery and shopping to purchase with ShopPay, and now really thinking about what happens after purchase, really be thinking about how we are the home for all users' orders, both for Shopify merchants and non-Shopify merchants, mm -hmm. and really think about you know, buyer support, 
things like insurance and easy returns to really make that post-purchase experience as good as it can be. I think that's an area that we can all relate to as consumers that can be a bit painful. How frequently have we purchased something and then we, you know, kind of intend to return it, but it's just too many hoops to jump through to kind of get there. So really thinking about how do we make that easier, more delightful and easier for merchants and buyers alike to be able to maintain. It's very interesting. It's kind of neat seeing the history of how uh, shop has sort of evolved. So I recall, you know, back in the day, we started with what was called Shopify Pay at the time, uh, which was meant to be sort of like a one-click payment method for buyers shopping online. And then, you know, there was the Arrive app, which some of you listening might have uh, encountered it. It was quite popular on the App Store, and it allowed you to sort of track your shipments. And these things were sort of developed by different teams at Shopify. I think at the time, there wasn't still that sort of like reckoning or this realization that we really needed to go quite further to focus on our buyers compared to how we had always been sort of focused on our merchants. And then, you know, all of these experiences were validated together under shop. And it's really neat to hear that the team is sort of taking that even further now and thinking about, you know, you described it as the home for all of your orders, thinking about everything from the discovery to the uh, post-purchase experience. Yeah, curious to hear, you know, like what, you know, building a product like that, that's fairly new for Shopify. What was that like to sort of like break away from this sort of very merchant focused mentality to really start owning this buyer space and really start thinking about that as a really important audience that Shopify should focus on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that what you, the story you told about the history is is spot on. And I thought that it, I think it's just that really reflects the business the business's thoughtfulness about how do we think about kind of bringing together experiences that naturally kind of align with one another and can together be more powerful than they are standalone. So not only combining kind of Arrive and Shop Pay, but also kind of folding in the uh, acquisition of Ticktail and really thinking about native experience and native e-commerce. So the combination of these three things actually is a great foundation for uh, what we're building and actively building it and kind of continuing to develop. What is interesting is uh, while we are consumer facing and having come from an organization that did kind of see both audiences and facilitate that kind of channel management for both audiences, what we do in shop is still very much rooted in kind of allegiance to and our kind of tenant of a kind of being merchant obsessed. So while we're building the buyer experience, we're still really thoughtful about how does this how does this channel actually work for merchants? How do we use it to continue to enrich their reach and the the retention of their their clients, as well as like finding ways that we can use this experience to build affinity and brand loyalty? So in that way, we are definitely highly aligned. But what's really interesting is that we're just scaling everything at one time. So we actually launched uh, last May. So we're not even a year in yet. And the growth that we experienced in that time was just tremendous. And I've never actually seen anything like it. So we launched right in May with the very basic kind of tracking features, really leading with tracking, some shopping features, and certainly pay. And in nine months, actually saw 15x growth, which is just remarkable. So I'm really excited excited because I think that people already see this app experience as being a great utility to to leverage, to kind of aggregate and make it easier for them to manage their post-purchase experience primarily. But what we're trying to do is really build both the foundation and a vision for innovating on shopping experiences in native overall. So what's really challenging is just having to scale both the team really rapidly, the processes that we're using to kind of ensuring that we're building is really thorough, laying the foundation and building really quality foundational 
e-commerce experience and also looking for those little pockets of innovation and, and ways that we can kind of continue to push and deliver a net new way of buyers uh, to engage in e-commerce natively. What has been also really interesting is thinking about just e-commerce and native as it exists in the world. I think what's really beneficial is we have a tremendous amount of information and examples out in the world that we can point to and really leverage to understand best practices, ways that we can actually leverage kind of what we see out in the world and kind of uh, use that to analyze and then stand on the shoulders of all of these amazing e-commerce experiences that already exist. I think that what's interesting about buyers is that they as buyers, we have baseline expectations for mm -hmm. these experiences, right? Maybe you couldn't actually articulate them yourself. Like, what does it mean to have a really quality checkout experience? But, you know, great UX is somewhat invisible, right? Like, it only brings you out of their kind of your awareness of UX when something goes wrong or it's out of place or just seems foreign um, to what you may be uh, typically used to. So, to that end, you know, we really uh, are looking to make sure that what we're building feels familiar, trustworthy. Mm -hmm. It's a really quality experience. It's delightful, easy to use and empowering, but also pushing people in new directions and thinking about new ways that they can browse and engage with merchants and discover mm -hmm. kind of new products that really map to their interests, their taste, and all of the different kind of categories of merchants that we have. So mm -hmm. it's a not small problem for sure. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You mentioned a little bit about, you know, still sort of being connected to the core Shopify experience and the core Shopify mission around making commerce better for everyone. But at the same time, one of the things that makes uh, Shop fairly unique is that you essentially built a product from scratch, which I'm sure comes with its own share of pros and cons. And I'm wondering if you can speak to that a little bit. So, you know, what's it like for your team to be able to move a bit more independently and autonomously and build something from scratch and what that brings in terms of advantages, but also potentially constraints or challenges that other teams who are building on top of Shopify's core foundation uh, may not necessarily be exposed to as much. Yeah, so it's definitely a very enticing challenge. And it's also one that requires us to be incredibly aligned what we are prioritizing and how we are actually creating a system while we're building a set of features that ensures that like our experience does not reflect our org chart and that what we're de delivering is kind of really well orchestrated across the different areas of work that I described earlier, which are our areas of focus. You know, we're definitely doing something that hasn't really been done before to some degree with these kind of new ways of thinking about native e-commerce. And so it can be both ambiguous and really complex because we're really starting from zero and moving to one. So in that way, you know, the way that we apply our process looks probably quite different than it does look elsewhere in Shopify and maybe at large um, in UX overall, where we're having to put a tremendous amount of effort and focus in the way that we explore the different ways that we can solve problems and actually how we even identify those problems because we don't have enough content or experience to really be able to know with certainty that these are the problems that kind of need solving. So we have to kind of build our own trust and confidence in the vision that we're painting in order to feel like we can continue to build our momentum and ensure that we're all aligned on the quality of the experience that we're building, both from a breadth and kind of depth perspective, 
And so what that means really is that when we look at the explore phase in GSD, we want to make sure we're leveraging as many inputs as we can. And so that includes not only research and competitive analysis and behavioral insights from data and kind of insights from support, but also the inputs that are the North Star vision, right? And Mm -hmm. the way that we think that we uh, are going to be showing up within another year. So how do we actually leverage all of that to ensure that we're starting from a really strongly informed position and then use that to kind of make our ideation, which is really collaborative across all of our different disciplines, really fruitful and really focused. So while we are going really broad, we have this concept called 1031, where we you know, use that as kind of a, a lovely little moniker to, to really express how we want to ensure that we're thinking broadly and really exploring all the different ways that we can solve a problem. And then aligning to converge around a few key concepts that we then can take to either research, to our you know, kind of cross-functional reviews, to leadership review, to really make sure that we are aligned on, that we've explored all the possibilities and that we're aligned on like the strongest kind of concept of those. And then how do we distill that? which may mean that we are not going to build the entire thing that we may have envisioned immediately, but really breaking it down into smaller pieces so that we can be shipping frequently and kind of building our momentum over time to be working very quickly. Speed is really of the essence here on all fronts. Like this space is not one that is not um, lacking in competitors. So we need to make sure that one, we're focused and prioritizing the right things and that we have the right split of kind of the foundational versus the innovative but also that the way that we're building those is built to scale over time, which means that, you know, that we're not building tech debt. We are like focused on consistency that we're, (laughs) while we're building and exploring, we're building a design system, which does not exist, right? And so when I think about Shopify core, to get back to kind of the premise of your question, you know, you have Polaris, you have all of the wonderful research and data and information about how merchants engage with this tool. And we are just way in our infancy uh, in that space. And so really helping to kind of gather those insights, codify them, socialize them, and then build really with a vision towards the future and not kind of these incremental builds. I would say just on, on that topic as well, when you have a net new kind of uh, product that you're working on, what is challenging is just the volume of work that needs to get done. What that can mean is that we end up shipping things that we know need kind of a sustained focus, but we just don't have the time or the right resourcing in order to ensure that, for instance, a product detail page, which we just launched, you know, can be monitored, evaluated, you know, and that we can continue to optimize on top of what we launch. So what we're kind of forced to do, at least in the near term, is ensure that we're building quality and scaling uh, for the future, as I described previously, and then being okay with kind of letting that be the prevailing experience for duration until we can actually revisit later on, just because there is so much going on. And then the other thing I would just say is like merchant channel versus a buyer facing experience. These two things are very symbiotic in nature, right? We need to make sure that we're leveraging all of the kind of great tools that already exist in admin so that we're not kind of diverging in a way that will, you know, cause more complexity for the merchants, but also how do we show up in admin and how do we kind of ensure that there's awareness of this channel as something that is Shopify owned and uh, that is effectively communicating our vision and promise of enabling native e-commerce for this set of merchants that you know should be able to capitalize on this 
without having to kind of manage it singularly. So how do we think about kind of that entire system, both the input from the merchant side and the output on the buyer side, and then also really thinking about building a really quality buyer experience that continues to evolve and expand over time. That's really fascinating. It feels like your your team and you are juggling quite a lot of balls, which is kind of fascinating to think about because I've used shop and it seems like such a streamlined, like smooth, and I want to say simple, but in a good way, like simple for me as a buyer to use experience that to hear about all of the work that's going in, you know, behind the scenes to deliver that type of experience is quite fascinating. You know, building a single brand in native e-commerce experience is actually pretty straightforward. And I think it can achieve that simplicity. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you say that actually, that you're describing. I think when we're working with a huge, broad range of both sizes and categories and catalogs of merchants, that's when things start to get a little tricky, right? And we also really want to think and be really mindful of enriching the existing merchant and buyer experiences Mm -hmm. and not betraying the trust of our merchants in moving too quickly into a discovery experience that actually facilitates net new relationship building, right? So how do we make sure that we're staying honest to our own values and building a buyer experience that feels familiar and not odd, Mm -hmm. such as if I search for something, right? And we're going to be showing the merchants that you follow first, how do we make sure that that buyer experience helps to make the narrative that we hold as core to our Shopify values clear to buyers, that they are also building their confidence and honestly, the affinity with the values that we hold. So oftentimes, you know, Shop or Shopify overall is actually often compared with Amazon, right? Like that's a common kind of, that is not the vision that we have for this app experience, right? We want to build something that really does kind of enable merchants to take advantage of this platform and to express their brand in the way that they feel it should be expressed and really to invite their their buyers and uh, engage with net new buyers that really align with their values and their brands, brand expression. That's great. You mentioned uh, 1031 as a sort of technique that your team uses. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so quite literally, what it what it intends to capture is the idea that you start with 10 ideas, you distill them to three, and of those three, you emerge with one. It's not unlike, you know, a very classic kind of design thinking approach where you do techniques like eight ups, right, or crazy eights or six ups or however you call them, right? Even if you do how might we's and affinity mapping, all of those tools are used to ensure that your thinking is very thorough and that you've uncovered all the possibilities for a way that you can describe a problem and then come up with solutions that resolve that problem. So because we are building a consumer-facing e-commerce experience, it could be really easy to just kind of start with a single concept and say, hey, that's good enough, let's ship it, right? What we intend to do is just make sure that we are because we will not have the time and capacity to kind of stay focused on a single feature for a prolonged period of time for now, we want to just make sure that what we're building is of really high quality. And so 1031 intends to actually make sure that uh, the experience itself is really high quality by taking into consideration all the different ways that a particular problem can be resolved, and then really being highly collaborative and intentional about distilling those concepts further and finding ways to actually bring them together to deliver a really strong and quality feature. So you would go from 10 ideas, right? And those should be pretty low fidelity. The idea here is you're just quickly kind of sketching and getting some ideas down on the page that help to start to tell a narrative of the experience. So something akin to like a storyboard, right? 
And then you would take the three of those ideas that you feel are most promising and develop them further. So while you may be starting with something that's highly conceptual and hypothetical, the three will allow you to then go a little bit deeper and start to really probe on the boundaries of a particular concept and really see where it succeeds and where it may fail or where it doesn't kind of do enough. And then from those three, right, you can use that to get uh, alignment across the trifecta leader leadership or from leadership itself, as well as with research to then distill those concepts into a single concept that now will be developed more thoroughly to make sure that we've covered off on all the different use cases and edge cases, et cetera. Really the value of the 10 to the three too is to think about the most gnarly part of the problem. So we wanna be thoughtful about not kind of only focusing on happy path, but really thinking about the problem. What is the stickiest part that we wanna stay hyper-focused on that will gracefully degrade to solve some of those easier use cases rather than you know kind of just Sometimes if we focus on the happy path too soon, we may miss out on critical decisions that actually make a more difficult path easier. So really kind of being intentional about where we focus, the depth of where we focus, and the practices that we bring to bear on going from a broad set of ideas down to a single idea that's really, really well informed and very highly aligned um, across different capabilities. Very cool. One of the things uh, you had also touched on was this idea of finding a balance between, you know, doing work that's meant for foundation versus or work that's foundational versus work that's innovative, which is really fascinating because I think, uh, you know, one of the tensions that you often hear about in UX is finding a balance between speed and quality. And I think what you're describing is another layer uh, of balance that folks have to find. And I'm wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about that. How does that show up for you and your team? And how do you navigate some of these challenges and try to find um, that balance? So I think that there are some problems that are pretty straightforward and self-contained. And the process by which we apply to arrive at solutions for those probably looks a little bit different and can be a lot quicker, right? So an example might be CART, right? We're not going to innovate on CART. CART is a thing that exists out in the world. And we want to make sure that what we're building, like I described before, is kind of familiar and reflects an experience that buyers themselves are accustomed to experiencing out in the world. Now, there is some complexity there because what do you do if you have multiple merchant carts, right? Can you check out with those? But again, those experiences exist out in the world, so they're not necessarily completely net new. When we are thinking about kind of innovation and focusing on really leaning into the promise that we make to merchants and delivering that kind of a clear and quality user experience for buyers, we'll take a lot more time there to really go deep and really think about all of the different ways that we might kind of apply the jobs to be done uh, and the jobs to be done framework, a variety of different kind of merchant segments to really mm -hmm. be thinking about how do we construct like ideas and, and uh, concepts that take all of these kind of complexities into consideration. So the foundational experiences, I think when we think about quality, it's really like a combination of both best best practices combined with what we aspire to be able to deliver and how we can leverage shop and all of Shopify to make that as quality as possible. When we think about those more kind of North Star innovative solutions, it's really a matter of like, I don't want to say kind of like spaghetti on the wall, but there's this idea that you do want to be able to kind of figure out which version of this thing is it. So you probably are going a lot deeper and really thinking about 
how do we construct many different ways to solve this problem and then align and, and pull the best out of each of those to kind of generate the first version of that thing. I think that's also the other, the other thing I would say. The more kind of concrete experiences, we're a lot more confident in. And so we can kind of launch those and feel confident that the quality that we've delivered is actually meeting user expectations and will be quite performance. But when we think about these more net new ideas, we're far more intentional about planning how we will ladder up to delivering those in completion. And, and so we'll probably be working by developing more incrementally and being really thoughtful about how do we release those to various different audiences to ensure that we're collecting the right inputs along the way and evaluations that make those really performant. I would say research actually also really does come to bear on how we think about that as well. When we think about these kind of foundational experiences, research may look a little bit more like competitive analysis, heuristic, and then usability research. Whereas with these kind of more foundational or these more innovative ideas that we have and features that we want to develop, research is probably a lot more around concepting and how do we, how do these kind of concepts resonate with buyer and merchants alike to ensure that we're not kind of so heads down, focused on our vision that we haven't really thought of the way that the audiences that we serve uh, will perceive and experience these, these things. It always is a little tricky too, because I think that, you know, one of my favorite sayings was what Henry Ford said about if you ask kind of people what they wanted before the car was along, they would say like faster horses, right? And so how do we kind of walk that line of being really accountable to deliver an experience that is familiar and really high quality while pushing people outside of what they know and really kind of leaning into um, net new ways of doing things. So that to me is also something that I think is a really interesting way of thinking about how do we stay true to our vision while also being really well-informed. Very cool. So it sounds like there's quite a few different ways in which your team needs to think perhaps a little bit differently uh, than other UX teams uh, that might be out there and even just at Shopify. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned earlier as well, thinking about scaling and staffing the team and thinking about, again, finding this balance between foundation and innovative. You mentioned specific kinds of research that might be more relevant here than in other contexts. You mentioned having to build a design system from scratch. What kind of skills are you looking for? What is the composition of the team? What kind of uh, people are you looking to add to the team or specific skills that you think would really uh, help bring that mission to life? Yeah, that's a, a great question and something we are like always being thinking about and being really intentional about relative to the team that exists today. So the team right now is comprised of 16 designers and we're growing really rapidly. We are distributed across the globe from across uh, Europe and all the way across North America as well. So I think as well as like an interesting challenge and also an interesting opportunity because we're welcoming in such a wide range and diverse kind of diverse set of perspectives that makes our work even more high quality because we are reflecting a, a wider range of kind of points of view. What I would think about the way that the team is constructed now, we have a good mix of kind of experts in the realm of UX and visual design. So what we see is, you know, product design overall is kind of a very, not very descriptive way of kind of expressing exactly what skills uh, a particular individual brings to the table. But I think that what we do have is a lot of folks that are have worked in native, have worked in e-commerce, right? Have worked in systems, right? That have some domain uh, experience and expertise, but that are also just very open to learning new ways of doing things, as well as 
really motivated and self-directed. This is, we are moving very, very quickly. And so the type of folks that are working on the team right now really have to be comfortable with leaning into process, thinking about the, the best ways to apply the craft in order to facilitate a really strong output and also leveraging the knowledge they may have on the world. So we have kind of the dual like need of going really deep and thinking thoroughly about experience and UX and all the techniques that we use to express that, which actually many of those aren't necessarily design, right? Those are user flow diagrams and jobs to be done framework, right? And narratives that help to express exactly what the needs are and the kind of ideas that help to solve, uh, address those needs. On the other end, we have uh, the visual design, right? Which is the system that we're trying to build. And so there really is a place for both types of like indexing capabilities on the team. Shopify, I think like so many other product organizations really let's look for those T-shaped folks that are thinking mm -hmm. about, I am expert in this realm. And I also have these other skills that are coming to, that I'm able to leverage in my craft and to bring to the team. But really what we do is help to like amplify everyone's skills and bring those back to the team to help to continue to grow everyone's, the breadth of their capabilities and to ensure that we're leveraging the expert experience of those folks um, that are already in the organization. That's very cool. So keep, you know, with, with all of these sort of different ways of thinking and different skills that are needed. And then on top of that, the fact that your team is global and remote and Shopify is, of course, digital by design. How do you bring it all together? Are there any special or unusual rituals that you use? I mean, actually keeping in mind for me, at least that, you know, you're talking a lot about what sounds like ideation work and work that traditionally people would have been doing, you know, in front of a whiteboard together in the same room. So how are you sort of you know, overcoming some of these challenges and bringing the team together and recreating some of that same spirit of teamwork, given that you are all global, distributed and remote. Yeah, it's not an easy challenge to solve. So I, I'm not going to claim that we have as a team really nailed it. But what I do think is, has been really useful is to a mandate for the team to really think about the interrelation of our work and then leaning way in on the tools that we have to sync, to stay highly uh, aligned on the, that, the, the interdependencies. It's not a like, net new idea, but really developing like specific channel purposes in Slack so that people have a forum they can go to and they can go and visit to have conversations async and to continue to kind of address the ways in which our work is needing to kind of be collaborative and also highly aligned. So things like a design system channel where we're like in the weeds on the pixel spacing of a particular product card, right? That is a very rich conversation and it empowers everyone to be part of that and to be defining actually what is the system that we're working with. In other channels, really leaning on the design team overall to help provide input and feedback very frequently. So thinking about not just the ritual of like a fresh eyes where we're coming together every other week for an hour and taking a look at that work, but almost a daily cadence of sharing where people are posting up work, posting up concepts, posting up ideas and inviting kind of feedback from other individuals. I think we also think about what you might call like a guild. A guild is maybe like a too fancy of a word, but the idea that like navigation, for instance, is not a problem that one designer in one area can solve, but rather there is a lot of kind of considerations that come to bear on navigation that 
individuals in various areas actually have expertise on. So building out kind of these more flexible guild style groupings where people can come together on a very specific purpose, ideate on that. And then one person kind of carries that forward and champions it and inviting others to contribute in a slightly different capacity after that initial kind of kickoff. Otherwise, you know, just co-designing and really think about design pairing and being really thoughtful about in the moments where we're doing the bulk of our ideation and our kind of sprints, if you will, ideation sprints and prototyping sprints, creating a frequency with which people are coming together and talking about the design and working together on the design. They're in Figma together. Even if they're not actually chipping away at the same thing, they're able to more easily kind of do that thing that you would have done at your desk where you turn around and kind of say, hey, can you come and look at this? Because this thing I'm working on is very much related to what you're doing. And like, there's actually a dependency here. So making sure that people are on the team really embrace collaboration I would say, when just talking back to the the question you asked before about the type of um, person that I think would really thrive in this environment, someone who is really adaptive and leans into change as a constant, mm-hmm. um, someone who is really, really collaborative, and that's kind of willing to open up their design and their thinking and their ideation to a broader set of folks, and people who, you know, really see the value in contributing to raise the quality and the kind of practice across the board. And those are just some of the ways that we think about that. And then separately, really looking for, you know, having really rich conversations just about our craft and the implications of the work that we're doing. We just had a really, really great conversation that was based on a Twitter thread from Julie Zoe about quality. And it just kicked off just a really rich conversation and allowed us all to kind of um, bring our own perspective And then uh, have some key takeaways for what we want to do to help to enrich that practice, not just for actually UX, but for all of the work that we're doing in product development. And I think just empowering people to take part in those conversations and to contribute makes us all feel more like a sense of belonging and that we have power and voice that can really transform the way that we work and not only the way we work, but also the the way, the things that we're producing. Mm -hmm. That's great. It sounds, you know, like your team has uh, quite a lot of work cut out for them, you know, for the rest of the year and beyond. And I'm wondering, you know, if if this thing fulfills its mission, if Shop really, you know, gets to accomplish all the things that you guys have in mind, how will the world be different? What do you hope to see that will be different for buyers, for merchants out there once it's sort of, I mean, I know that nothing ever really fulfills its mission by definition of mission is something that can never be fully achieved. But as we get closer and closer to that, how do you anticipate things will look like for buyers and merchants and for commerce in general? Yeah, that's that infinite versus finite game. <laughs> like, okay, it's, it's a somewhat of a finite thing because we have this vision. We know we want to kind of build towards this future. Um, but the infinite nature is just that like, we don't know what the, a year from now, what net new ideas will mm-hmm. come to the work that we're doing. So I think that what we all aspire to be able to deliver is a really disruptive experience in the context of e-commerce, native e-commerce overall. And what I mean by that is disrupting the way people classically think about engaging with merchants and brands in the act of a kind of buying, right, and, and e-commerce. So thinking about aggregation and tools that allow us to shop in net new ways. So thinking about things like how do we leverage, for instance, AR, across a wider range of different products to more quickly get to the thing that you want. Or another example I always use is like, 
what if you could try on lipsticks from like a few different merchants that you love, right? That you follow. And could I easily kind of do a little engage with them in a net new way that allows me to feel a sense of kind of involvement and engagement with that merchant that really is different and, and less passive than I think that the, the way e-commerce exists today. So finding out ways to kind of really make that direct connection between the merchant and the buyer uh, a lot more prevalent and a lot more meaningful part of the way that buyers transact and the way that they spend their money. I think what's super powerful is this idea that we, you know, aspire to empower entrepreneurship. And I think that especially now during this pandemic, that really resonates with buyers. They want to support that local person down the street. They want to support the small business owner. They want to be able to kind of, it's like the antithesis to the big box retailers, right? Mm -hmm. The kind of the marketplaces of the world. And so I really feel like there is an opportunity for us to really enrich that awareness for the buyer and make them feel also very gratified in using this tool to help make those connections with merchants they love and really feel fulfilled in that their purchase has actually made good in the world, right? That it's not just kind of a a data point in our kind of growth story, you know? So I think there's a lot there that I just, I'm really excited about because I think that we've just really gotten started and we've barely scratched the surface and really helping people feel that sense of kind of belonging and that sense of resonance with their own value set. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to say that, you know, my bias as a Shopify employee aside, as an avid shopper, I am very, very excited to see a lot of these things come to fruition. Um, and before we sign off, Jess, uh, for any listeners out there who, like me, might be avid online shoppers, what would you recommend uh, they do if they want to learn more about shop? So we have a a site called shop.app and it's a great way to just start to learn about one, the vision we have, two, kind of our values. We just launched a great career site. That's a a subset of that shop.app site. And that's a great way to just kind of learn a little bit about what we do, learn a little bit about kind of our mission, the culture of the team, and get really excited, honestly, about the huge opportunity we have. This is not like a once in, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to really think about kind of a net new way of engaging with buyers and merchants. And so that's a great tool. And then also download it, right? And play with it. Think about ways that you would improve that, right? And think about really critically all about e-commerce overall. What are great examples of ways that other people have solved similar problems and bring those to light? Because we're always looking for new perspectives and new ideas that help us kind of learn and get better at being a player in this space. That's great. Well, Jess, thanks so much for taking the time today and for helping us learn more about shop and your work and your team. Definitely a lot of really interesting stuff in there. And yeah, really appreciate your time. Likewise. Thank you so much for letting me come and have this great chat with you. I super appreciate it. Um, And it's just a really great and engaging conversation. Anytime.